Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And that's what God is for us. Not only is he a shield about us, but he's the one who lifts up our head. You hold your head up. You hold your head up. I'm a shield about you. I will protect you from all of those that are falsely accusing you and cursing you. I'm a shield about you. And I'm the lifter of your head. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Our God is not only a Father who will protect us, but a Father who will encourage and help us to lift our heads. Today, Pastor J.D. asks us to grasp the goodness of God. He helps us to understand that God is the best of fathers and the mightiest of kings. He will protect us from all. He will inspire us to move forward if we simply allow Him to do so. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message. To hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast, subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Isn't it sad? What we, I know we've talked about this before, but we live in a day and age when, when the word like has more of an impact than love. I mean, love has been just so, you know, I hate to use the word marred. It's been been just so sort of, um, you know, brought down and and uh, minimized. I mean, when you, when you when I say to you, I love you, okay, well, thank you, I love you too. Or God is love. But when you say to somebody, Hey, God likes you. He does. Yeah, he 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 likes you on Facebook. He does. <laughs> There's a big like with a, a. Is that too much? Well, you, you kind of get the point. It's, he likes. He likes me. Yeah, he likes you. Wow. It's a lie. It's a lie to believe the enemy in this regard. You know what makes it even worse is that those who attack in this way. And I can't get over how it was that this was David's son. I mean, you know, for those of us as as parents, certainly as fathers, can you even imagine how painful that would be? And he's on the receiving end of this attack that comes from one who is so close to him that is now falsely accusing him and and saying to him god is through with you there's no help for you you're you're beyond the grace and the forgiveness of god and this is why you're fleeing jerusalem and you're leaving the throne absalom has the audacity to oh, i don't want to get too detailed, but he takes the concubines, his father's concubines. And based on this advice that he's given, horrible advice, ungodly, evil advice, he, and he sits on his father's throne as if to say, 
my father is done, and I am now going to be the heir apparent and the king. Well, again, I liken this to what Job went through. He's got these three so-called friends that are falsely accusing him and cursing him. And even David is going to refer to this man by the name of Shimei. Remember him? So they're fleeing. And there's this guy by the name of Shimei that is cursing David, saying, God is through with you, David. He's throwing rocks at David. And here's David's men. Remember, now there's 600 of these men. These guys, you don't want to mess with them. These are warriors, man. So one of David's men says, David, you just say the word. You just say the word, and we will we'll take care of him. <laughs> we'll take care of him. David says, no, 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 no. No. So here's this Shimei that's cursing him, and as they fled, and David is, you know, when we were in First and Second Samuel, we were told what happened. And here in Psalm 2, we're, we're actually Psalm 3, pardon me. <laughs> Psalm 3, we're told not just what happened, but what David felt in his heart. What was going on in his heart. I mean, this is a, a real, uh, you know, insight into just the, raw emotion of it. So this is one of those places where I, I I love my favorite two words in all the Bible, but God, but God, as only he can and always does, has the final word when it comes to his servants. You know, it's kind of interesting getting back to this Shimei. Um, so as after Absalom is killed and David with all of his people return to Jerusalem. Shimei's there again going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My bad, I didn't really mean it. Because <laughs> now David's king again. And oh, by the way, uh, in uh, the Old Testament, uh, it actually says something about uh, you kill the person that rises up and curses a leader or a king. So he knew that he was a dead man. And David spared him. And anyway, God always has the final word is my point. Like with David and Job before him and the many others with him, God will always vindicate his own in the end. Um, I want to, we may not get to Psalm 4, but that's all right. I don't want to rush through it because it's a really powerful psalm related to prayer. But I want to take just a moment because in uh, at the end of verse 2, we're introduced to this word Selah. And it actually appears 71 times in the book of Psalms. So we need to know what this uh, word means. It's actually, if I'm not mistaken, three times only. The only other time it's found in the Bible is in the book of Habakkuk. And I think it's only three times in the book of Habakkuk. So what does this word Selah mean? Well, it's actually uh, debated. Some suggest that it means division. Others suggest weighed. And others say it carries the idea of pause and praise. 
I'm of the belief that it means all of the above. And I'll explain why. So when you get to this, remember now, these are songs like a refrain. So you get to this, the end of that verse, if you will, and there's this dividing point, and it's a pause where you stop, consider, weigh, and then praise. And that's what it is. And that's what it means. Well, verse 3, but you, O Lord, there's the but God. <laughs> now remember now, he's got people cursing him, rising up against him. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. And there's that word again. Okay. The first word in verse 3 changes the entire complexion of this perilous situation in which David finds himself in the midst of. I mean, you know, whenever you get, you come to that word, but, just the word but alone, it means everything up to this point is inconsequential in light of what comes now. Well, what comes now? But God. Yeah, they're all against me, but God is a shield about me. And I love this part. He's the lifter of my head. Picture the, use your imagination here. Just use your, as a parent, right? Your, your child is down and discouraged. And I mean, and what do you do? Well, you want to encourage them. You, you, you give them a hug and you just lift their head up. It's okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And that's what God is for us. Not only is he a shield about us, but he's the one who lifts up our head. You hold your head up. You hold your head up. I'm a shield about you. I will protect you from all of those that are falsely accusing you and cursing you. I'm a shield about you. And I'm the lifter of your head. And interesting, you almost miss it at first read. Um, and it has to do with David making God his glory. What does that mean? That's what his glory is in. I love how F.B. Meyer explains it by asking this. Oh, my soul, hast thou made God thy glory? Others boast in their wealth, beauty, position, achievements. Dost thou find in God what they find in these? In other words, what do you glory in? What do you go? What is your glory in? Is it in God? Or is it in something else? David's glory was in God. There's something here that I want to point out. And it has to do with God lifting David's head, 
and being a shield over David's head, coming in response to the prayer that David prayed. He is crying out to God. He is begging God. This is what we're going to see in Psalm 4. He is begging God, Oh God, hearken unto the voice of my cry. He is pleading with God. Think about this. As a parent, what do you do when your child is crying? I know when our boys and my daughter were young, I couldn't stand it when they cried. It was unbearable. You know, there was all these, you know, parenting, and I mean, to each his own. Everybody has their own way of parenting, but, uh, you know, there's all these books on, let them cry it out. (laughs) I can't let them cry it out. Let them cry it out, they'll stop. Yeah, when they stop breathing. (laughs) So, you know, you leave them in the crib and let them cry it out. I mean, I I tried one time. (laughs) I lasted... Yeah, it might have been, I want to say seven minutes. I couldn't take it anymore. I had to hearken unto the voice of my child's cry. It was killing me. So I said, here, honey, nurse him so he stops crying. (laughs) So I can go back to sleep. But, (laughs) which we never did sleep. And we haven't for like 20 years now. But anyway, so... This is a loving heavenly father hearkening unto the voice of the cry of his child, his servant. In verse 4, it says that he cried out to the Lord with his voice out loud. I, I imagine that he was wailing. And you can't blame him. His son Absalom is doing this. He's fleeing the throne for which and to which God had anointed him for to succeed Saul as king of Israel. This is um, Psalm 3, really, the whole psalm, and many other psalms with it have been so personal in my own life. I can remember when our daughter was dying, our daughter Noel, and I would hold in my one hand my Bible turned to the Psalms, and in my other hand my uh, daughter Noel. And I would just cry, and I would cry out to my wife, and I would sleep in shifts, and I would cry out to the Lord, and the Lord hearkened unto the voice of my cry. And the Lord will hearken unto the voice of your cry. I know this is improper English, but he can't not. Don't email me. I know it's not proper. But he can't not hearken unto the voice of yours and my cry. Verse 5. I laid down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. This might seem um, trite, maybe nebulous, for lack of a better word, but God in his grace and his mercy and in his love and his compassion is giving David 
a much-needed good night's sleep. Never underestimate the power and the importance of getting a good night's sleep. God is sustaining him. Listen, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, how many times when you're going through a very difficult you know, trial, and you can't sleep, and if you do manage somehow to doze off to sleep, you wake up and boom, that thing hits you like a ton of bricks. The worry, the fear, you're worrying about your children, you're worrying about this, you're afraid of that, and your mind's going a million miles an hour. And then, if you don't get a good night's sleep, the next day you are trashed. You can't function. And that just makes it infinitely worse because your mind is foggy and groggy and you can't concentrate and you certainly can't make good decisions at a time when you really need to make good decisions. Well, God is sustaining him and granting him this sleep in spite of the intensity and the enormity of the situation that he's in. When we get to Psalm 127 verse 2, we read this, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep, sleep (laughs) to those he loves. I'm getting to the place in my life where I really appreciate and understand how important it is to get a good night's sleep. I, I can't overstate the importance. I don't think it's possible. You know, I was uh, watching a, a video about how now their research is finding that the reason for Alzheimer's is because of sleep deprivation. And here's why. It's really interesting. You know, we have this uh, system in our bodies, the way God fearfully and wonderfully made us, that, uh, you know, the circulatory system that gets rid of all the waste in every uh, part of our body except our brain. You know how the the brain gets rid of all of the uh, waste, it's a whole different system. It requires deep REM sleep. That's when everything gets cleaned out. That's why when you don't get a good night's sleep, you wake up the next day and you're just, all of the gook and the junk and the waste, it didn't get cleaned out. Your brain, this is what they're finding, and it's so fascinating, the study of the brain. Your brain is actually working harder when you're sleeping than when you're awake. Your brain needs, you know that they would, a form of torture was to keep people awake. You'll go insane. You'll go insane. You can start hallucinating. You start developing, you know, paranoia. And I mean, it, it, this explains a lot, doesn't it? (laughs) So here's my point. Very simple. You need a good night's sleep. Okay. Let's uh, finish up and then we'll bring it to a close. So. Verse 7, this is an interesting uh, part of the psalm. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Get them, God! 
That's not in the original. That was my addition. Salvation, verse 8, belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people, Selah. Okay. <laughs> this, <laughs> this particular prayer on David's part has been the source of a lot of misunderstanding. And I have to confess that I've been one that has not only misunderstood it, but I have misinterpreted it to mean that David is praying, break their teeth in their mouth. Give them lockjaw and nausea at the same time. That, that's, that's bad, I know. Now just give you a second to uh, think about what I just said. <laughs> in other words, get him, God. That's not what he's doing. That's not what he's praying. And so, I hate to break it to you, but don't pray, Lord, break my enemy's teeth, my boss's teeth, <laughs> my mother-in-law's teeth. Is that too far? In their mouth. Okay. It appears that that's what he's praying, but it's actually a metaphor speaking to God, granting the victory. Uh, Psalm 58, verse 6, it's even more explicit, if I could say it that way. Uh, Break their teeth in their mouth. I mean, that, that looks pretty clear to me. That's the one I was hanging my hat on until I realized I couldn't get away with it. Oh God, break out the fangs of the young lions, oh Lord. Okay, so if it doesn't mean that we can pray God break their teeth in their mouth, what does it mean? Well, one commentator explains it. This vivid metaphor is also used in Psalm 58, 6, which we just read. It speaks of the total domination and defeat of the enemy. David looked for protection in this psalm, but more than protection, he looked for victory. It wasn't enough for David to survive the threat to the kingdom. He had to be victorious over the threat, and he would with the blessing of God. He wasn't only concerned for God's hand upon himself, but upon all God's people. He didn't pray for preservation and victory in the trial with Absalom, just for his own sake, but, very important, because it was the best for the nation. That's what was at stake. The future of Israel was at stake. And that's why he was praying metaphorically break their teeth. In other words, God, give us the victory and defeat the enemy. That's what this was. And that's what the metaphor meant. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow, you may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. 
A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 